0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. I'm Justin Mart.
1: And I'm Catherine Wu.
0: So what are we getting into on this one?
1: Okay, so this one feels really near and dear to my heart because um, over the pandemic, everyone got into crazy hobbies. Yes. Um, I got a PlayStation um, at the beginning, and I got really into gaming. Like I've never played games growing up. But somehow over whether it was boredom or just wanting to <laughs> escape reality, I got really into playing like all kinds of all kinds of games. I never thought I would be a gamer, but
0: you here know, we are. here
1: we are, yeah. and now I spend all my free you, time playing games. You have an
0: interesting definition of crazy hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that one's not so crazy, but it is uh, Is a, probably a pretty a pretty big hobby, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, as someone who works in crypto full-time, who also is a, you know, new gamer, um, today we're talking about the intersection of crypto and gaming.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I I am not necessarily a gamer. Um, little 12-year-old Justin will be really mad hearing me say that now, but I'm not a gamer anymore. Um, obviously, I know crypto. Yeah. But I have a lot of questions. This is an interesting topic, right? Yeah, when we yeah. say crypto and gaming, what is it that we mean exactly? Like, what? How, how do you combine crypto and gaming?
1: So I'm hoping today we kind of find like a middle ground between this is ridiculous um, and makes no sense and like actually this is the future. Yeah. And so one of the things that I thought was really interesting about our conversation last time with G Money was when we were talking about NFTs, he mentioned, you know, as NFTs and gaming was perhaps the next big unlock. And we never got to really um, talk about that. Yeah, I didn't
0: get to press on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if crypto and gaming is a solution without a problem.
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I kind of go back and forth between it, you know, because as someone who plays games, you know, I play a lot of like, obviously, PlayStation specific, but they're all like closed games, right? Like, I don't really expect to take my character out of my PlayStation and move it to somewhere else. So, like, I don't have that and I enjoy it even, you know, without that sort of like interoperability. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I think crypto, one of the most fascinating parts of crypto is like you should technically be able to take your assets and move it anywhere else, right? And like maybe it's actually more than that. And I think it, it, it is, right? Like, as we've seen this year with the rise of Axie Infinity. Um, yeah. which I know you've looked into.
0: Another big topic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. You're into video games. Um, I'm more into like board games slash strategy games. So think chess. Yeah. Um, if you ever hear me denigrate nerds, smack me because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so it means I'm just insulting myself, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of in the back of my mind wondering like, all right, like at some point, are there going to be, you know, crypto mechanics that make, a sen- make sense in board games? Mm. Or traditionally games that ha- don't have an online or digital mm. presence? Like will crypto ever cross that chasm?
2: Well yeah. go to the physical too. yeah. so
0: I mean, that's probably years, years away, but you know, a lot to tease on here.
1: but what I do appreciate about both nFTs and also games is that they're inherently just not very like serious, you know topics, mm-hmm. right? Like and I think that makes it almost more approachable from like a crypto yeah. lens.
0: If crypto and gaming makes sense, it could onboard a ton of people because they don't have to be intimidated by the complexity. Yeah. They're just getting involved by playing a game. Yeah. And suddenly they're onboarded to the entire crypto universe, mm-hmm. right? That's super powerful. I'm excited to talk to Amy. I feel like I have a lot to learn. Uh, again, as like the non gamer here, I've got a lot of questions, right? But, but who is Amy? What's she do? Why is she good here?
1: So I was excited to ask Amy to come on because, you know, Amy currently is a partner at Lightspeed Venture Partners. They're a venture capital firm really known for their consumer bets. So, you know, for example, they famously invested in Snapchat during its earliest round. So really deep, mm-hmm. you know, consumer DNA. And Amy herself, you know, she's covered gaming um, at her last uh, role at Insight and before that, you know, at consumer facing sort of like companies. So I think like with her background in consumer, it's like she really understands consumer. She really understands gaming. Um, And now she's at Lightspeed, really digging into gaming, specifically in the crypto context. Um, I think her insights would be really amazing.
0: Awesome. All right. Let's dive in. Let's talk to Amy Wu.
1: So, first of all, welcome to the show. Before you came on, Justin and I were already like, oh my gosh, like, what do we want Amy to answer? And it's a long list of questions, but... What I wanted to kind of like open with, and this is where we got stuck and we were like, okay, let's wait for Amy to get on the line, was we were talking about like crypto and gaming. It was like, okay, whoa, like what is crypto and gaming? And secondly, like, is it a, one of those things where it's like, it's not a problem and we're just like forcing a solution on it?
2: Yeah, this is a really good question. And, and one that has, I think, evolved quite a bit um, over the last year. So I think some people think of crypto gaming as... You know, using NFTs in games, but I, I think the definition can be so much deeper than that. So I think about it as just the use of blockchain technology in gaming, and um, and so then if you broaden that definition, there's the tactical reasons for why some uh, game studio, a developer might use blockchain tech, and then there's also the philosophical reasons. the um, The tactical ones would be how. Do you keep a community engaged? You know, drop some you know pre-launch uh, advertising, marketing, etc. But actually, being able to do an NFT drop is truly just like an, an uh, a much better way to engage your community. And some early games have actually started doing that. Maybe getting over to the philosophical side of it. Yeah. Uh, this goes back to kind of what's going on between Web Two and Web Three, right? Still, a lot of studios I talk to right now have some questions around. Well, I can still do most of this, you know, in Web 2. Yeah. But philosophically, like, players have, I, I think, kind of reacted against a gaming, a centralized gaming studio, controlling gameplay, controlling the items, and also, you know, taking the majority of the economics for some time and have wanted to get ownership and more say in what's going on in the game. That's why, like, modding has been such a huge category. Mm-hmm. Modding has had a history of um, decades, right? Like, and, and so most famously, I think... Um, League of Legends was created via a Warcraft 3 mod, for example. So this, I think that's why there was such a uh, natural sort of um, affinity for the idea of ownership in gaming, that you can own an item as a player. In the NFT blockchain gaming world, the player actually owns that item. And that is a pretty um important i think philosophical shift that is meaningful for a number of players and so this concept is beginning to take fire and i think will only become a more and more of like a um a resounding kind of paradigm shift in players but also just again like pragmatically when you do an nft drop and a player is getting kind of like a an item with scarcity it immediately has value right Mm -hmm. some of Mm -hmm. them will um go and start trading it but actually and some of the game studios that are here where they really are restricting each wallet to get one nft they're seeing the phenomenon of players are not wanting to sell that because they're ascribing value to it you know they're owning an early item and they um and they don't want to sell it and so i think that kind of goes to players have a lot of um ascribe a lot of value towards uh items that they can use in game because again, creates a significance to mm. it that actually just selling items in a game previously, I think didn't have quite as much.
1: Yeah. As you involve the community, like, and I love that you spoke to modding culture because I think that really is like why games live on for a really, really long time, right? It's because you have all these fans who are so excited about like going in and like putting their own twist on a game and like really feeling like they're like an ownership. owner, right? Yeah. Like have ownership over their own gaming experience, right? And I think the other thing is also around like, you know, ownership, which is that like, I, I, I'm a big gamer, as we know, and like mm-hmm. I get emotional emotionally attached to, like, rare guns I find, like, out in the open, right? And, like, especially if I can customize Mm. it, like, I don't want to. Like, I will, for example, like, and this is a common, like, gaming mechanism, right? It's, like, you want to go and make your, like, inventory bigger, so you got to go, like, kill these, like, rare (laughs) pigs or something because I don't want to throw away my gun. And I think, like, the emotional ownership attachment, it's all so deep in, like, human psychology and the way gamers approach it. It's a
0: psychology thing, right? I mean, what they're really tapping into is just the idea that this is rarity, right? It's, you know, there's only so many of these things plus usable in a game and people get attached to it and they play the game more. Mm-hmm. It's a hook on psychology. It makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, that's why we've always thought, you know, with the NFT, the rise of NFT has been around for some years, but uh, there was a question of, okay, so you buy it and then what happens? You can yeah. trade it, you can speculate on it, but there's actually a few use cases for it. And we believed that, you know, since beginning of the year, kind of like seeing kind of how the space evolves with the first NFT rally and. Q1 really, um, that gaming is probably going to be the best use case for it because of this natural intersection with uh, with usage.
1: So maybe that's like a good time now to bring up Axie Infinity because Axie has succeeded, but it doesn't really actually touch on any of sort of what we talked about. So maybe actually to step back,
2: what is Axie Infinity?
0: <laughs> Why is it so popular? <laughs>
2: Yeah, the Infinity, trailblazing in the blockchain gaming world. Yeah. So it is um, a kind of like, think of it as like a Pokemon Go collectible characters type of game where you, you collect these characters that can battle. You can play PvE mode or, um, you know, player versus environment or, or against other players. And they have certain strengths. And then you're battling kind of in a um, in like a turn-based sort of RPG style. And the team actually founded the game... I think four or five years ago and then a, a few things came together. Yeah, They're building for a while. Yeah. This summer. Yeah. Like early this summer that really just made this the absolute first success of blockchain gaming. And it was a few things. So how does blockchain get um, involved with with Axie? I think it has one of the deepest integrations of blockchain tech of any game. They're minting their characters as NFTs on the Ronin blockchain and then which is their own blockchain. And then they also um have tokenized economies. And they did um, and their tokenomics, I would say, is the first iteration of what I think will be kind of like a um, a lot of experimentation and how to design game economies in in the token blockchain world. They have two currencies. They have AXS and they have SLP. And in the traditional gaming world, essentially um, AXS is kind of treated as the hard currency. They're the ones that's like it's it's meant to govern um, I think the the game, but also in the traditional gaming world, it tends to be one that's like you can actually convert dollars into. And in the in the traditional gaming world, something like a soft currency is is one that is an in-game currency that you don't necessarily are able to buy, but actually like the game maker can print an unlimited supply of, and uh, and they use that to balance the game economy. And this was an extra step that. Um, Axie had incorporated into their game so SLP is something that's earned and also um, the thing with uh, with with SLP that that Axie enabled is this play to earn concept and play to earn in the triple a world sort of web two gaming world it has been a concept for a long time people are willing to basically um, grind in the game in order to Um, collect items or help um, somebody progress that somebody else is willing to pay for. But it's always been an um, informal economy for the most part and kind of a gray black market that actually the Axie Infinity plus the YGG and other sort of Yield Guild ecosystem all formalized with blockchain. And as a result, you had people in the Philippines was the first emerging market to kind of discover this, that discovered an ability to actually make Way more than minimum wage. At the beginning, it was like $2,000 a month, something like that. Minimum wage in the Philippines, like $300. And then it just spread like wildfire, word of mouth, referral in the country. And lastly, they moved from Ethereum to their own Ronin blockchain. Suddenly, there were no gas fees. Um, It made microtransactions on the game actually accessible to a lot of people. And all of those things helped take off that game. Um, And so that's why they were successful. But I think there's a lot of reasons why um, I think that we'll see other types of experimentation with new games that are going to come out over the next like 12 to 18 months.
1: We kind of just made a shift talking about NFTs and, you know, character traits into like a full blown like mini economy. Right. Which also goes to show like the broad spectrum of what we mean when we say crypto gaming because it's so
0: broad. It it is. Yeah. So I think. The key question we kind of want to hit at is, you know, we've described Axie. It's obviously integrating crypto economics directly into games. Again, a new, novel, potentially powerful thing. We've seen Axie's growth, phenomenal growth, frankly. Um, but maybe, you know, my head, as a little bit of an outside looking in skeptic, is like, how are they getting this money to pay for these players? Where's in the play to earn economy? Is that a sustainable economy? Is that flywheel actually going to last for several years? Or are they subsidizing it with some subsidy of tokens they're giving away And when that subsidy ends or that token supply ends? What happens then?
2: That's a really key question. So when you think about whether Axie Infinity or a blockchain game is sustainable, you're asking is the economy sustainable? And so that has to do with kind of a balance of play to earn versus maybe play and earn or like normal players. What are you getting from play to earn? A classic play to earn player is somebody who. They're playing to earn, as in the alternative is minimum wage. Driving an Uber or Grab, um, you're working at a restaurant, etc. And so they are a player that is coming into the game in order to make minimum wage. So they're actually extracting dollars out of the game. Um, and so they, you have viral growth because obviously if they can make more money playing a game than than like flipping burgers, like anybody would do that. I would do that. And so um, that's why like it's a fire user acquisition strategy, but then what are you getting? You're getting a player that needs to make a minimum amount of wage. And so you need to balance this out. So let's say Axie Infinity has something like 2 million um, DAUs right now, uh, which is phenomenal. Um, And in in an extreme case, right, 100% of their players are play to earn. And if they're earning on average, let's say like 200 per month then per month you basically need to provide 400 million dollars of revenue to the game it's and that's going <laughs> to come from it's a lot yeah it's a lot that's going to come from a few sources it's going to come from players that are actually just putting money into the game it's coming potentially in the future from ronin right revenues and or it's coming from you now have a base of two million players that are unbanked a lot of them have not traded crypto before. And so I think Axie Infinity team has a lot of inbound from financial services and traditional finance firms that want to sell services to these people. But it all needs to add up to, in this hypothetical case, $400 million. And so that's where the question of sustainability comes from. I think like for a sustainable game, um, you can't actually have probably more than 50% um, play to earn players. For you to grow this user base to the tens of millions, eventually hundreds of millions, because you need to balance out this game economy eventually. Or perhaps you have a blockchain that is actually a DEX and you have a lot of other protocols and it's so it's subsidizing the entire game economy. And, and so the game is actually in service of your L1 blockchain. I think that personally... You know, Ronan's probably um, the most valuable asset, actually, that um, Axie Infinity Sky Mavis has, and so I'm really interested in seeing how that plays out.
1: I think the interesting tension is that, like, um, there's on one side there's like crypto native approach, right, which is like Axie, where you like go and you build out your own blockchain, and you do all of that. Or there's like the more, you know, like, look, you you play Call of Duty, I play Red Dead, like they're, they're like done by traditional AAA gaming publishers. And they do that. They do the narrative. They do the hook really, really well. Right. And that's what makes it fun. So in your mind, like the tension between the two, obviously the gap is quite big. Like, where do you really think crypto gaming uh, will land on to be really sustainable and successful in the long run?
2: Yeah, I think the next generation of blockchain games um, that you'll see are going to be more of teams with traditional gaming backgrounds that knows how to make these deep games that then are also artfully balancing in um, blockchain, whether it's like tokenized economies or sort of NFTs with meaning, like in the game. That is sort of like the north star for this. But you know, you need to hire game designers to help you build the game, or you have Um, Like these triple A gaming teams that are still learning how to do crypto. Actually, both things are quite hard. When when you see the two teams sort of come together, the talent on both sides, that's where you're going to get, I think, some of the magical games that are going to come out maybe in 18 to 24 months time, which is just a game like any other ones, but with blockchain tech that really deepens the economy, like deepens the meaning of owning your items in game and also allows players to like trade items with each other and potentially, maybe this is a phase three, the interoperability of items across games. I think we're quite far from that. Um, I think people are working on it, but um, that'll be kind of like the, the third phase.
0: I'm just curious. We we look at uh, the traditional game developers, you know, building traditional games and how they might be able to incorporate crypto economics or, you know, NFTs or something into those games or the crypto native path, right? Which of those two do you think is going to be the first one that really captures mainstream attention? I mean, Axie might already be there, but I still wonder, like, in your mind, which one is actually, do you think going to win?
2: Yeah, I would say that Axie Infinity has already, I mean, they basically have placed this um, trail of blockchain gaming for everybody, Right. And I think a lot of eyes are on where they evolve. I I think that they're pretty much the only blockchain game um, operating at scale right now. And so will they have competitors in kind of 12 months, 18 months time um, to compete from attention perspective and um, also proper games that embed, you know, blockchain? Absolutely. The next wave that I'm seeing coming, coming up to speed right now are traditional gaming teams that are learning crypto. But I think they will... There are probably, some of them are underestimating the difficulty of building that up through community, but that's the, that's going to be a learning curve for them.
1: So in your seat, you know, as an investor who, you know, spends a lot of time on the intersection of crypto and gaming, um, what are some of the things that you, you just feel like are still so lacking?
2: Well, I think first and foremost is I can't wait for these games to go live. <laughs> There's so many awesome ideas being built right now, but yeah. it takes years yeah. to build great games. And so to build great games with um, embedded blockchain tech, it's going to take years. So I, I mean, I'm i really excited to see these games go live. The, the area of um, I'm spending a lot of time thinking through, and also with a lot of gaming founders is tokenomics.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think, again, this is an area where Axie Infinity has, again, been a leader in thinking through how to have a duo um, token token, uh currency in a blockchain game but i think there's a lot of other experimentation for example multiple token currencies in the game adding a stable coin into the game right these actually add a few elements on the one hand it's it's deeper you get faster velocity you have people who are trading the tokens that may not be playing the game there's a lot of added impacts to that um you also have some irreversibility right you um if you kind of put uh release code that's going to allow a bunch of people to buy, I don't know, a bunch of NFTs, um, then you actually can't reverse that very yeah. easily, mm-hmm. like put in a web game. And so I think these are things that game de- um, game makers will need to have a lot um, experiment and there'll be trial and error um, and there'll be things that don't work. And so game economy design is an area, I think of, of huge fascination for me. And we're absolutely at the ground floors of doing that.
0: If you could paint a little bit of a picture for how the gamer themselves their experience with the game changes in this utopian future where we have a crypto economic hook, we have NFTs built in. Like it's a little bit hard to talk in the abstract about it without maybe a concrete example. So I'm wondering if you have an, a way to paint a picture for me as a gamer, what changes when I think about a traditional web two game versus a web three game? What are the actual fundamental differences as a gamer?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, let's say you're building a new um space MMO game I think MMOs is one of the most fascinating areas to include it because they are the closest to the metaverse or digital economy today right um and uh you know whether it's eve or world of warcraft or another um MMO and um and so like MMO games sometimes take five years to build so as you're building towards it maybe you will launch some um NFT ships for people to start buying. Like these are kind of maybe a couple of rare ships, more powerful ships, and then some basic ones. And um, uh, some are more rare than others. And then you're also sort of dropping some of the commodities, like the, the resources that you might need to build these ships in your game. And then when you launch the game, so like how, again, You know, I I always love like EVE Online as an example, because I think that when I think of the metaverse, I think it's the OG metaverse. It's uh, as close to a true digital economy as you ever have had. It's a game that's been out for over 10 years, I think like 15 years. And they actually had their biggest year last year, which kind of shows the longevity Mm. of some of these games when designed correctly. Right. And so today, you know, I go um, I join a guild in this case. Um, corporation. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to join as like kind of like an ice, like, like a lowly person in this guild, the guild leader is going to assign me tasks to do and that might be just like grinding for more resources in order to build a specific part in a ship. So if, if it if there was blockchain technology embedded in that, right? Maybe, like, as a guild, I launch my own token in this world and then I'm going to sell some of these tokens to this other guild and suddenly I have, you know, um, I can build these ships and I'm going to battle because I think I have, like, a really cool strategy Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do better than a lot of other things. So this accelerates my progression in the game and also, you know, with this token being traded, like, uh, and with items being traded, the economy is much deeper, and so I have a much more liquid market to sell my own ships, my own resources as the guild, and um, and that just again makes this entire ecosystem feels that much more real um, and uh, hmm. and more fun. Hopefully, engaging yeah. for players.
1: Well, so, you know, what's funny. So even though Justin doesn't proclaim to be a gamer, he's really into board games and he spends a lot of time studying <laughs> Settlers so of Catan <laughs> strategy. And so, like, I feel like maybe, you know, if we bring the, like, massive multiplayer online, like, environment into, like, a Settlers situation, like, I can see Justin, like, really grinding, you know, to, like get his resources and <laughs> well, expand the land and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, what, what
0: it kind of does, what I'm hearing, right, that the meta thought here is like, it just adds a whole new toolbox yeah. to the metagame theory, yeah. to how you can, uh, you know, the economy behind your guilds, how you can, like, it's actually more like real life, you yeah. know? You're adding you're adding the financial dimension, yeah. uh, dimension to it. You're adding other hooks to it as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it makes the game more complex, but also potentially a lot more exciting.
2: You think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I mean, honestly, like kind of food, shelter, earning, these are all sort of core um, pillars of that and so actually the concept of money, of real money to a game is, a, is an extension. I think it's a necessary component to having the game feel that much more real and so as we're building towards this hypothetical metaverse that feels like a real world sort of digital world with consequence, with reputation then the um, then the financial aspect of it is just very natural yeah. and so to your question like it, it just adds that level of realism to the game.
0: Are you are you also as excited about the composability aspect because what you're describing so far can be all in a self-contained ecosystem
2: yeah, yeah so composability is interesting because I think a lot of there's a lot of ideology around nft um, gaming items being composable across game I think that's very cool for a player so I you know I I would say if I buy a skin um, or a, a, like a really cool skin for my avatar and I can bring that avatar across a couple of games I want to bring my cool like you know hat or whatever with me you know I paid money for it and like I'm very proud of my hat and I want to do <laughs> that um, or like take one step further I buy a sword in one game can I play in another game there is multiple real worlds limited um you know sort of challenges with that one like games are built on different game engines so if you're like game is built on unity versus unreal like how do you actually port that item over to another game challenging also once the game actually has an ecosystem of let's say 100 million players they don't are not incentivized to um uh, another game vampire attacking them by like composing a interoperability of core items in their game into a much smaller one. And so um, let's say some legendary sword in my game why would I actually want to extend that item to another That's game good point. um mm-hmm. because the yeah and so actually the game maker is non-incentivized to promote and interoperability and so that's why like i think of it as a third phase because i think it really takes like a fairly idealistic Hmm. game maker to want to um open up their game economy um but i think there will be people who will do that eventually um and i think maybe like some of these other kind of more community-driven like sort of gaming projects start pointing to that direction i think we'll get there but i think that's not gonna happen. Anything.
0: Yeah, I was gonna bring up loot because that's kind of a canonical <laughs> example of of you know gaming items that are intended to be composable. Mm-hmm. But you're pointing out some structural challenges that I think we're gonna hit along the way. Yeah, definitely a lot to chew on here.
1: I know. So maybe one last question for you, Amy. Um, what game are you most excited to see go live in the next eighteen to twenty four months?
2: So our first blockchain gaming investment is going to get announced in a couple of weeks. Okay. And I'm really excited about this game. <laughs> because it Still actually the incorporates I know. spell the tea.
0: <laughs> it's okay. They it's a safe space.
2: All of these concepts, yeah, where you have... Um, kind of like basically like a shooter game on top of a 4x land game and so there's like land battle component and ownership components to it but then also um it's like an intense like shooter elements with like you know team play um pvp style so um and uh with nft items and skins so i think you'll see it's it's an example of what i what i call kind of full um tokenized um full blockchain adoption in a game and so i'm i'm really excited about that one and just a lot of others that we're seeing in the market right
1: now. All right, well, that's as much as Amy <laughs> will tell us. I got it. Um, well, thank you so much, Amy, for taking the time. This, yeah, this was, was great. This was so fun.
0: Keep Coinbase Ventures in mind thanks, too, because we want to invest as well. So <laughs> just, uh, you know, <laughs> we're interested in gaming too. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for listening to the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. Be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Catch us on YouTube.
1: Don't forget, we also have a landing page. It's at coinbase.com/slash-around-the-block. So exciting! Yep, I'm. Yeah, we have the latest updates, news. We have our blog. So don't forget to check that out.
0: All right. Catch you next time. Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice.
1: Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks
0: and uncertainties.